Hello everyone and welcome to day nine of the daily mini Olympipods. I am not Ruth Fitzpatrick, but Ruth is here. Ruth, how are you? I'm good. I have to say, I didn't have a huge amount built up for today. Um, I thought day nine was going to be a bit of a rest day and... Uh, Ruth, look, we're going to start from an Irish perspective here. Uh, because as soon as I saw the use of Super Sunday last night by the Irish media, I knew it was going to be a heart-wrenching disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, Chris... Um should we go through what happened really quickly? Yeah. Like so, well, 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 yeah. Well, I'll, I'm just going to say this <laughs> to, to kind of build this up. So, um, this afternoon, I told my young niece and nephew that we had to watch the Pommel Horse final. And they said, But why? And I said, It'll be good for you because one of two things is going to happen. Scenario one Ireland is about to win its first gymnastic medal, and this moment will forever be etched in your memories. This is going to be your defining Tokyo 2020 moment. Maybe your defining Olympic moment that you will speak about for the rest of your lives. This is going to be what for you and me was our Atlanta, you know? Um, and maybe even it will be your inspiration for the rebooted Olympopods in 2046. I don't know. Or second scenario, Ireland will fall off the pommel horse. Uh, we will all be extremely sad, sad and proud. And you'll be one step closer in incompletely understanding the futility of hope. And yet simultaneously having audacious levels of hope that comes with being an Irish fan. Anyway, one of those two things happened, Chris. <laughs> it was the most Irish of Irish sporting days. It was. And Reese McLenaghan... He actually fell onto his horse, not off the horse in this case, uh, sadly. Yeah, in the final of the men's pommel horse, qualified with the highest score, was expected to get a medal of some sort, fell on his horse and finished in seventh place. Max Whitlock, fair play to him, the fucker from, <laughs> from the UK, started the whole thing. He had the first routine, did amazing, and he ended up getting gold, defending his title Fair play to him. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to. And also, look, the pommel horse is a particularly cruel piece of apparatus. Like it is. And, yeah. uh, Reese McLennan, he walks away as an Olympic finalist, um, and a historic one at that. He's already Commonwealth champion. He's European yeah. champion. He's a world medalist. And I don't think anyone will be writing him off for 2024 in Paris. Um, he tweeted yesterday that he was thinking of the pizza he'd get to eat after the competition. And he mm. certainly deserved it today. Yeah, I really like what he said afterwards. And I think it's worth reading out. I'm definitely the kind of person to turn a negative into a positive. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave this arena with an ex incredible experience becoming an Olympian. First finalist from Ireland. That's special to me. It didn't go my way today. One finger placement is all it took to knock me off the horse. And I'll adjust and fix that and come back a way better gymnast and a way better man. That's a great thing for a 22-year-old to say after a heartbreak like that. Yeah, and he's also been a really good, not just uh, ambassador for his sport, but he's been a fantastic ambassador for all sports throughout this entire Olympic Games. Um, he made international news when he came out in support of uh, Simone Biles. Um, he's just an all-round great guy and he's not this is not going to be the last we're hearing of him and he was the one who debunked the sex beds and he was the one who debunked the sex beds so yeah. 
Um, anti-sex beds anti-sex beds yeah (laughs) turned them into sex beds he he turned them into sex beds so no absolutely he has had a fantastic olympics um and it was a great learning tool for my niece and nephew as i said this is what our sport is but at the same time um no there is he is an absolute credit to his parish and a credit to absolutely everything else within the olympic games there was plenty more heartache for the Irish today. I know you want to talk about golf, so I'm going to set it up for you. <laughs> I I have nothing to say about golf. <laughs> All I will say is, I uh, yesterday uh, you asked me what would it take for me to start um, mm. watching the golf, and that kind of put something into my brain of like, oh gosh, what the fear of missing out. Maybe you know, with the Irish set up potentially for two medals in the golf, yeah. maybe I need to be on that. So. I haven't slept in over 30 hours. I, <laughs> I stayed up last night and I watched about six or seven hours of golf. And God almighty, I, I mean, first of all, there was no reason for me to do so. I thought you had nothing to say about golf. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, like I, I, I say I haven't slept in 30 or so hours. I actually did catch a little bit um, at one stage where I was like, what the hell am I doing up? I went for a bit of a sleep between 6 and 9 a.m. Mm. this morning, got up to watch the uh, bronze medal playoff, of which we still had a, you know, a, 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 something, it's a bit of skin in the game. Yeah, and, yeah. and Chris, it was two hours long. Yeah. Two hours long. Yeah. And I didn't, and I personally didn't even get a medal. <laughs> so like, no. what? Yeah, uh, Rory McIlroy, was our great hope uh, for Olympic bronze. He missed out in a seven-man playoff for the bronze medal. So if gold and silver had already been decided, seven-way playoff, which, based on a later story in this, maybe all seven should have just got the damn bronze medal. But no, anyway, he ended up losing. And, to be fair, it's gone to C.T. Pan from Chinese Taipei, right? But do you know, the only thing that I will say about the golf this time, because I've been Mm. very disparaging of golf, and do you know what, I will continue to be. But the one thing I will say, the difference between 2016 and 2020 is that the professionals have taken this to their hearts. They are actually getting really involved in it and they are getting and and you could see it in them they all wanted to get that medal even though there isn't that there isn't that prize money involved in it and all that so for that reason i'm very happy that it's here i'm very happy that it has it it took two olympic cycles fair enough but i am happy that people are now taking it seriously as in within the sport so for that reason i'm happy it's here Justin Rose, who won it in 2016 in the men's side, he said that's one of his proudest moments and he really cared about it. And I was at the golf and for one day in Rio 2016. I had a blast following around Seamus Power and got to hang out with Paul McGinley, who showed me and Seamus Power's father and uncle the ins and outs of the course because nobody was there, which is a fantastic, fantastic experience. Um, but I just want to say, uh, so... The silver medalist, Rory Sabatini from Slovakia. Slovakia. Now, this was, uh, this was, uh, brought to my attention. (laughs) But they could hear it in my voice. This was brought to my attention by, uh, Thomas Chamney, 
Beijing Olympian from Ireland. I was playing tennis with him this morning and uh, we were talking talking about Rory Sabatini. He is from South Africa and he changed his citizenship in 2019 after uh, the country of his wife and stepson is Slovakia and his wife's cousin is the vice president of the Slovak Golf Association. <laughs> Initially, there was speculation that the move was made in order for Sabatini to qualify for the 2020 Olympics because he was like ranked 200th in the world and there were about 10 South Africans ahead of him. But he said it was to help grow the game in that country. <laughs> Sabatini's citizenship changes, uh, which also includes him having a British passport and American citizenship, has earned him the nickname from golf writer uh, Brand, uh, Brendan Porath, the boy from Bratislava. <laughs> also, I can only recommend, because there's no time, just look at his Wikipedia page. He's got a hot head. But you know what else he has? A silver medal. He does. And um, for all those eyebrows raised, has he not risen the profile of golf in Slovakia yeah. because he now has he's coming back with a silver medal for the country so yeah. absolutely fair play to him uh, fair play to golf in Slovakia for giving him this opportunity mm. uh, he performed considerably better than all of those South Africans who were ranked ahead of him yep. so he's he's done himself proud he's done his yeah. family proud and he's done Slovakia proud so you know also on Super Sunday, Ireland were supposed to uh, get another silver medal or get another bronze medal rather in the boxing, at least with Kurt Walker. He lost his quarterfinal to an American in a paper thin split decision, according to the 42. And although we have a guaranteed bronze, which is now officially a bronze for Aidan Walsh, this is a very Olympopod thing he did. He wasn't able to fulfill his semi-final against the UK's Pat McCormick because he injured his ankle after celebrating the quarterfinal victory that got him to this stage. That's very Olympopod. Yeah. yeah. So one thing I will say on this story is, um, particularly for us, because we have only covered, up, un- up until very recently, we've only covered 1896 to 1964. Um, and it's very easy to separate these brilliant stories from the fact that these are actual people Mm. because one side of me is just going, oh my God, he didn't injure himself in his match. He didn't injure himself in training. He injured himself while celebrating his win, (laughs) his win to get into the next round. Uh, He was just over exuberant and yeah, if this if this was 1956, we'd be all over the story. We'd be talking about hilarious it is, but um, this is utterly gushing for him. Um, and he he, I, I think nobody would. He has pushed his heart and soul into this, and it is one of the things about boxing. In other sports, you can be a professional and go to the Olympics. With boxing, you know, it, for a lot of the people, especially within the Irish team, uh, they have to put a huge amount of their life on the line to make it into an Olympic Games. Um, often have a huge financial setback just yeah. to put their lives on the line for this. So I have to say, if he could have been in, this isn't a Novak Djokovic situation, if he could have been in that final he yeah. or that semi-final uh, at the very least um he would have been there but oh my god what an olympopod story he injured yeah. himself celebrating <laughs> but 
but fair play to him he does bring back a bronze torrent and, yeah. and yes. nothing and nothing That's... and nothing will ever take that away he is an olympic medalist yes uh, from the 2020 games even if he did injure himself <laughs> celebrating that fact <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't a Super Sunday for Ireland. It was a Super Sunday, however, for Australia, who celebrated their best single day in Olympic history, including Emma McKeown, who has become the first female swimmer to win seven medals at a single Olympic Games. Four of them, however, are gold. So I don't know if that qualifies in your books. Uh, We'll have to let history and Ruth Fitzpatrick uh, her, and your decision and Ruth Fitzpatrick's legacy on the future of the Olympic Games uh, will tell whether that is a record which holds or not in the future. Also, a shout out to Caleb Dressel, who got two more golds. He's got five in this in the swimming pool during these games. Uh, an absolute machine, that American. I'm proud of myself, he says. I think I reached what my potential was here at these games. And it was just really fun racing. Five gold medals, perhaps only two when we look back at Tokyo 2020 in a future Olympopod. That remains to be seen. It was also an Super Sunday for Italy on the track and field. It was. It absolutely was. I have to say, you know, I, I never build up the track and field for myself. Like, it, I enjoy watching it, of course I do. But for me, it's not the main thing of this Olympics, which just goes against everyone else's viewing of the Olympics. Um mm. When I was watching this final bit, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking, especially the last hour and a half of the evening event, I wasn't really thinking there was much here for me to watch. Um, but after yesterday, me asking, had we reached the limits of human ability on the track and field, Yulamar Rojas from Venezuela recorded a massive new world record of 15.67 in the triple jump. She surpassed the previous record by 17 centimetres, which had mm. been recorded by Ukraine's Inessa Kalvets in your very own Gothenburg in 1995. Uh, it was such an emotional victory and she had already, she already had the gold for her last jump. But as the news came in that on that last jump, she had secured the world record. It was just lovely to see the excitement of all the women in the triple jump final and how much it meant for them. But yeah, you've just mentioned the Italians because at that point I thought, well, this is the, this is the high point. Surely, surely this is the high point of this track and field day. But no, we then went on to the high jump (gasps) and oh my God, Chris. First of all, what a high jump. I think it was mentioned almost like halfway through the competition that this was the best high jump in terms of the number of athletes clearing the heights they were clearing. So it was really building up into something special. Well, I just, just there was already so much emotion. I was yeah. already in tears. And then it went off to the final couple of jumps for the high jump. And Qatar's Barshim and Italian's Tamberi, they were neck to neck. They were level after the final jump. And then we then have the official com- coming on him with his uh, flip pad. And he goes, oh, well, okay, you need to start doing your uh, jumps jump together. Off. You need to do your jump off. And then I think it was Barashim who said, oh, can we not just both take gold? And the official was like, well, if you both agree. And then Barashim, Bar- Barashim um, turns to Tambury is like, if you're okay with this, I'm okay with this. And the two of them just go wild. It's beautiful. It was fantastic. I was in tears again, Chris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I 
was in tears again. This, I didn't think I was going to be blubbering after the track and field event, but here I was. 10 minutes in blubbering and <laughs> it was it was a beautiful yeah. beautiful thing not everyone is happy about it um but i'm happy with it yeah i well you said to, is there somebody in particular you know who's not happy about it I, there is but anyway <laughs> <laughs> um i read that uh, i read that this was the first time that a gold medal had been shared in track and field since 1912, which then, of course, sparked my mind. And I'm like, wow, this is very Olympopod. Because also yesterday evening, I was having a drink with the guest we had for the 1912 Olympopod, Laura. So this is, so I was like, okay, I have to go back and uh, double check this. However, do you remember who it was, first of all? No. It's kind of a trick question, though. Okay. Because the gold medals were shared in both the pentathlon and decathlon, but that was because of Jim Thorpe having his gold medal taken away from him. You remember? Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, which was because the IOC were convinced that... Uh, he had, uh, well, he'd taken expense money for playing baseball and it violated the uh, amateurism rules the IOC had at the time. So eventually, though, in 1982, the IOC was convinced that the disqualification had been improper. And so Thorpe was reinstated as joint gold medalist in both mm. competitions. And also hilariously, in that very competition, we had Avery Brundage who finished nowhere <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um but the whole point like these two um field events they mm. kind of overshadowed what the olympics really builds up as their main event which is 100 meters um first of all there was a false start and it was a very obvious false start there was no contention about that at all um but then we got a new winner we got a new fastest man Mm. Marcel Jacobs from Italy and it was just like I don't think anyone is expecting it even him and he ran into the arms um, of uh, the newly yeah. gold medaled high jumper um, it was beautiful so I think was. I, I'm not I'm not I don't quote me on this but I think this makes Italy the first ever nation in one year to take the Eurovision the Euros the Olympic 100 and the Olympic high jump Oh, you beat me to it. What a year. What, what, what a year. <laughs> um, but actually, this brings me to a question. Um, and I'm pushing it to you as the font of all competitive sporting knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Google <So give> ready. <laughs> I, I, I have thought, and this, this has also been something that other people have said to me as well. We seem to be having a lot more false starts this year. Um, but also we seem to have a lot more kind of grey areas of false starts because there was a period of time that you would have, like like 15 years ago, you would see a lot of false starts. Mm. Then they brought out the very black and white rules of if it's a false start, you're gone. There's no warnings or whatever. But there seems to be a lot of like green cards, yellow cards, yellow and red cards, black and red cards. Um, 
Is this a lot a of new development? A, a lot of faulty starts rather than false starts. Yeah, I think there is an attempt to soften it a little bit because it is such a fine margin. And yeah, so in this case, though, it was a pure disqualification for a false start. Yeah, but we have 100. seen in the uh, heats and the semifinals mm. and also the semifinals for the hurdles uh, quite a few uh, false starts um, and then restarts, which which haven't led to disqualifications. Like, it, yeah. it, there, there, there's, there does seem to be a lot more of it this time around. And again, maybe it's simply because it's happening right now, we're noticing it, um, but it, it does seem to be more so than in Rio 2016. Yeah, I was noticing it as well, watching the... Uh, the European Indoor Championships earlier this year that there were faulty starts rather than false starts. So maybe it is a, a change in approach in recent times, which I kind of welcome because it is such a harsh rule. I mean, it's a good it's a good rule because there's no like tactical false starts or anything like that. But it uh, it is very harsh all the same. Yeah, and just a very quick shout out because even though. Irish listeners, you've kind of d- abandoned us. You're only in the top four of uh, listeners to the Olympopod, but we still we still give a nod to our heritage. Um, we did have Thomas Barr in the hurdle semi-finals and Harbar von Buchel. Uh, he <laughs> posted his second fastest time. Uh, he would be in the top eight um, of fastest times in the final. He was in a very fast semi. Um, I think at time of recording, we're seeing if there's a disqualification somewhere that would push him up into there. But even if the, it doesn't get him into the final, he did a fantastic yeah. run. Just just checked here and the appeal has failed. So he yeah. does not qualify, which is that. But it yeah. was an amazing run and uh, a bit heartbreaking for him as well because he had uh, he stumbled on one of the hurdles, which uh, ruined it for him. Nevertheless, really stacked field and did very well to be... Uh, I guess ninth place. Harbar, Harbar. Um, I went through an entire mini pod yesterday without mentioning uh, either doping or Denmark. Not going to mention them. Weightlifting. And yesterday in the 96 kilogram class, there were some major 70s vibes. Um, Qatar's Faras Ibrahim Elbeck, who went on to take the gold, had like this fantastic 1904 gentleman weightlifter outfit. It was fantastic. Loved it. Wish more people would do it. I would also love like if we started bringing back, do you know, those like circular weights. Um, I'd love that. There was also, I think the Canadian, um, had a very 70s hair, uh, haircut. So I loved it all. Great aesthetic. Ruth, I love that you watch the weightlifting so we don't have to. <laughs> Chris, watch the goddamn weightlifting. It's fantastic. <laughs> Did I drop it up and we still have a lot more stuff to say? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you say the rest. <laughs> okay. Um, there has been there has been quite a serious developing story in the last couple of hours. Um, as I just mentioned before, you know, most of the time we're covering 1896 to 1964. So, you know, when we talk about these exciting stories, uh, which do have obviously human stories behind them, we can kind of separate ourselves from them. Um, we've told already lots of stories of defections and kidnappings and whatnot. Um, but yeah, there's been a bit of a cushion there and there's been a bit of leeway of separating the story from the actual person that's involved. But we're now seeing in real time a very serious and a very uh, dangerous situation unfold 
A journalist on Twitter, Hannah Lyubakova, is reporting that one of the Belarusian athletes, Kristiana Tsimanouskovia, um, who has recently publicly criticized Belarusian sports officials, has been removed from the Olympic Village by Belarus uh, delegation and brought to Tokyo Airport to be returned home. Um, the Belarusian Olympic Committee released a statement that it was taking the athlete out of Tokyo at the conclusion of doctors due to her emotional and psychological state. But there is now mobile footage of Tokyo police and Olympic volunteers with her at the airport. Uh, she's been asked if she feels safe to fly to Belarus and she has responded no. It's something that will surely be very big news over the next couple of days. Mm. And we definitely don't have all of the information as of yet. But I think all eyes are now going to be on the IOC and how it chooses to react Um we see the end product of the Olympic Games, which is broadcast to us, but every single athlete who attends has a story, has potential traumas and challenges that we can't even begin to understand. And we're so used to seeing, I suppose, athletes as ours and their triumphs of, as ours and their failures as ours to criticise. But each of them is also a person and it's something that this Olympics has exposed at various levels um, and for various reasons. Um, I have seen in the last hour since we just started recording that the democratic leader of Belarus has spoken publicly about this. She's thanked the IOC for intervening, um, but there's a lot more to, to mm. left to be happening here and to be reported on. Um, but it is a huge story and one I think we will be talking about in the next couple of days. Very well put, Ruth. Doing my best. And now, <laughs> before we leave, um, we did ask people to get in touch if they wanted a shout out. Um, Melissa in Canada got in touch and she sent me an article which was correct as of when she sent it to me early this morning, which is that Canada have come uh, back so far with 11 medals. Again, everything could have changed in the last 12, 18 hours. Um, and they're all from women. Every wow. single one of Canada's uh, medals so far has been from women. And I know that a lot of people have been in touch with you, Chris, asking you, uh, who is this person that you're bad-mouthing in <laughs> the episode? Um, so if you would like to either send us some gossip or some articles or whatever, do get in touch and yeah. we, will get, we, will, we will give you a shout-out. A shout-out then for Polly Rawlinson who correctly identified the person I was talking about with the commentary, the cycling handball commentary crossover, correctly identified and finished it with good luck with that, dot, dot, <laughs> dot. So <laughs> brilliant. Thank you, Polly. Yeah, well, tomorrow I'm going to be watching some equestrianism because we're on to the jumpy boys. Um, obviously, I'll be watching a bit of weightlifting and mm. a bit of the apparatus finals in the gym. And of course, something huge tomorrow. Former guest of the show, Oliver Dingley, will be making his first appearance at these games for the men's three-meter springboard prelims. So if you're an Olympopod fan, make sure you tune in for the official Olympopod representative. Anyone else you're going to be watching tomorrow, Chris? All you said, track and field as well, and handball. Lots of handball. Lots of handball. Okay, until tomorrow. Bye! Do you want to say bye? No, you're perfect. Bye.